Welcome to episode 215 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have Nash in New York City, comedian and writer, young woman trying to make her way. We talk with Nash about what she finds intriguing in pop culture, and how she feels about national politics at present. Trump in particular and a few other folks are mentioned. We also talk about a web series she's working on and a few other things. I think you'll find it interesting. We have an EW essay by yours truly titled Live Alive and a poem titled Sultry Ride. And we have an excerpt from the great novel by Thomas Pynchon titled Vineland. And of course, as is always the case, along with all of these several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 215 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours.
I found this pen laying in a plate and this book under a spoon sitting on a shelf in wait as another day inside this lunatic presidency, worse than the draconian heffalumps of the Watergate. Welcome to the jungle, sweet child of mine. Have a little patience and we once again might find our paradise city. Please take me home. As I roam from channel to app and back to the web of information and so-called fake news, in between sips of small batch spirits and gulps of microbrew, the soul-sucking power centers guided by disturbed human tools and too many of us continue to feed and believe the direction we are pointed in like subservient fools as if life is about our psychosis saturated egos and sullen, id, fearful, we dwindle into pale, withered rubes. Holy notions of grandness and worship till death, slowly or prompted sudden. I forsake thee. I will work hard to escape this and instead pursue the sunshine above this sublime machination wheel of lonely and empty heart as intellect of my head struggles each day to move closer by going further away from the dualistic linear narrative so effortlessly constructed for all us to immerse within and conform. Resist and reborn alive still to guide true as the wind always moves through. Survive to live alive.
Is that you? That's me. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. It's been a while. It has been a while. I guess you've been a busy person. Extremely busy. That's good. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, well, let's get right to it. I, I uh, texted you a couple of ideas, and basically we're going to have an organic conversation with you here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And uh, let's just get to a question I put together. What, right now, are you finding somewhat intriguing in pop culture at the moment? Pop culture. Um, I would have to say, um, <laughs> well, Beyonce's pregnancy. <laughs> Beyonce's pregnancy. Yeah, not so much her pregnancy as, not the literal pregnancy, but more so like the photos that she's been putting out mimicking this um, ancient African goddess. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. And she was criticized a bit because she, people thought she looked like uh, the Virgin Mary or something, right? Yeah. Um, but they misunderstood. I guess. Yeah. It's it's a big misunderstanding. Most people don't know what's going on, but I'm just I just think it's interesting how Beyonce she's pregnant with twins and it becomes breaking news that everybody starts to obsess over. <laughs> yeah, because she's just one of millions or more perhaps of women who are pregnant right now. Is that why? Yeah. It's it's just interesting how celebrity, once you have celebrity, it, it just becomes, like, the basic things become suddenly surreal and just amazing. Yeah. I saw a post on Facebook, actually, I guess, um, everybody made a big deal about her being able to perform at the Grammys while she was pregnant, and I guess the, the meme was about how nurses, pregnant nurses work 12-hour shifts and it's not a big deal. I think that's a good point because there are women in everyday life who are pregnant and functioning and doing all sorts of things. So, well, I don't I, get it. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I'm wondering, <clears throat> what do you think that says about, I mean, us? It, obviously, it's, mar it's a marketable bit of information uh, other, I, because people are grabbing at it and talking about it. Why Why are we like that, do you think? I don't know. I think we're just obsessed with people. We're obsessed with a fantasy of celebrities. I think that's just what it is. And, yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, I, well, are we not happy with our own lives? We need to look at something that seems to be superhuman, I suppose. I don't know. I think boils down to the whole grass is greener complex honestly everybody thinks everything's better than what they have and it's made to look that way on purpose and for some people it's a goal and they admire it and other people it's an escape from the life that they hate <laughs> yeah i don't know it's, it's i think it's for everyone it's different but i don't think it's um i think for everyone has a different reason but at the end of the day, it's almost like they're all collectively the same reason. Yeah, they're not happy with their own existence or they need that kind of divertment, whether they love yeah. somebody or they love to hate somebody. You know, right. either way. 
I don't know. I'm, we're at, during our conversation, I hear a siren in the background at your place, and my dog's running around like crazy. These are nice sound effects, I think, for the listeners. <laughs> I feel like in New York City, there's always a guarantee of a siren going by at some point. <laughs> are you in your apartment, basically? No, I'm in, I'm in, in an office. I had a meeting before this. Yeah, you uh, a meeting after this. Really, that's great. That's great. Uh, uh, any any uh, projects coming up that you're hoping? I have a couple of projects coming up. Yes. I don't know people that don't realize you, you're a writer and a comedian, among other things. Are they in that vein? They are. Um, my biggest project right now is um, we're producing finally producing and getting ready to promote and put out and publish a web series, comedy web series, starring myself and uh, my writing partner, and it's really exciting, and hopefully it'll be out by the end of March, and that's what we've been working on. That's excellent. For everyone to enjoy. So yeah, it's exciting. Do you have a name for it? Um, the name of the series is called What About Us? And um, it's about, the show's about two aspiring um, comedy writers who want to get their own show, but they can't get, they keep getting rejected by, like, the larger networks. So they decide to create their own reality show to document their pursuit on getting their own show. But nothing goes right, and it's the worst show ever. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and in some ways, it's autobiographical, it sounds. Yeah, it's it's interesting in that it's almost like what we're actually going through, but very dramatic and ridiculous. And your partner, uh, I mean, you're I think 30 years old. I think we had a show dedicated to that fact, right? A conversation. Uh, is your I'm 29. 29, always 29. Yeah, me too. And uh, are are you? Uh, is your partner around the same age? And so you guys are. Yeah, we're the same age. Uh, a female or a male? Female. Female. Both women. Uh, so yeah. that 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 uh, that sounds like an interesting premise. And uh, do you have a, a platform yet? Are you going on YouTube with it? Or we're going to go on YouTube. YouTube is going to be the main platform, and then we'll uh, we'll branch out to social media, as you know, as needed accordingly. What makes sense. That's great. And, you know, if you want to talk with us some more about that in the future to help promote, we'd love to. Um, it sounds like, it, it, again, it'll be intriguing. Is it going to be G, PG-13, R, do you know yet? Um, it's, it's interesting what comedy. I want to say maybe PG-13 is the goal, but <laughs> who knows where the season goes. I don't know. Kind of like the one. We would like to have like a broad audience, but there might be a few one-offs there that raise an eyebrow. All right. Well, good luck. That that's uh, what about us? Web series coming out hopefully in March. Keep us posted on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's exciting. It is. It is. And um, <laughs> what about? Well, this this will be. I don't know. As a comedian, this is probably great fodder for your acts. Uh, national politics. You know, how, how do you feel about what, what's going on at present? <laughs> um, I just, I don't even like to think about it. It is a really good um, inspiration for material, I'll tell you that. But I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm still just waiting to see what's going to happen. I know yesterday Twitter was going crazy with the oh, Trump impeachment party hashtag. Yeah. And um, I'm just kind of hoping that that actually becomes a thing. <laughs> the, the impeachment. <laughs> because I just feel like Trump is being crazy with yeah. all these executive orders and travel bans and dealings with Russia. It's just crazy. It, it, it really is. And, I mean, how about where you live? Is the fact that he holds an, has an office at, at Trump Tower, does it affect uh, Manhattan and your day-to-day -day at all, the traffic and the security and such? It doesn't affect my day-to-day, -day, no. I mean, I know they blocked off that area, which is inconvenient for whoever takes that route, but I actually never go near the Trump Tower, so I don't even know 
how that looks or affects anything. But I do see a lot of protests against Trump in New York City randomly in different places. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, generally speaking, I think the the uh, citizenry in New York City, their mindset is the antithesis of Trump's mindset. So it's <laughs> it's kind of weird that he you know he comes from there, yet. Yeah. I guess this is he has really no. Well, he has support here, but they're not speaking out because, I mean. I feel like there's so much animosity towards Trump that it makes it uncomfortable for Trump supporters to even admit that they're Trump supporters. But it seems like it seems, I use that word very deliberately, like majority of the people in New York City are in opposition of him and his thought process. Why do you stress the word seems like? I stress it because he's in the office, you know, like he's the president. So it just seems like all of these people are against him, but he won the the election. So that means the majority couldn't have been against him. Well, <laughs> to a degree, a lot of people were for him. There's no doubt about that. Millions, but I believe the popular vote went to Hillary. So the majority, yeah, that's true. You know, did vote for someone else, but. Yeah, that's true. Millions voted for for him, which is disheartening in my view. I'm, and I'm still trying to figure it out, too. I don't know if they didn't realize what the hell they were doing, if it was a protest vote or if they sh truly uh, understood what he was about and said, yes, this is what I think America should be embracing. That If it, if it was the latter of the three, then, wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't get it. And everything he does is just like, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. Even his um, Black History Month speech, oh. where he pretty much did not know who Frederick Douglass was. He thought he was still around. He thought it was. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is this? What is wrong with him? Is that for and real? Then, like, is, that, is that for yeah. real? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I thought it was a joke. For real. I did too, so I went and I, I read it and it. Freaking real, and even in the in his, his speech, he he was saying something to the effect of um, referencing Black Americans, and he said something like, "Yeah, Ben Carson brought me to neighborhoods that I normally wasn't comfortable with, or something like that." And he's like, "And you know, they're really uh, good people." Like talking about Black Americans, like I had no idea that they could be good people, and I was genuinely shocked. And I'm just like. This is our president. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like like uh, something, you know, a mindset that's decades old, always wrong, but more of the norm decades ago. Them, the us and them, are those people. Yeah. Maybe it's not so far away as you think it is. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, he... Um, He's done so many things that are, are, are crazy, as you said, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens. There are people who are predicting impeachment is, imperat is, or is uh, no doubt going to happen. You know? Yeah. I that mean, it, it doesn't look good that I forget what his name is or who he really was. Flynn? Somebody stepped down on Monday. Was yeah. that who it was? Flynn. Yeah, he, stepped, he resigned on Monday. In, in the in lieu of all this, that, that's not a good look. No, because he was he was colluding with the Russians, it seems. Yeah. It's like something out so, of a movie. Bigger than Watergate. Oh, yeah. I this agree. This would be bigger than Watergate. So I, I really hope it's taken seriously because that's a big deal. Russia... I know. Crazy. I know. They've been our enemy for, for so long. And he, this guy, you know, a lot of people believe it's because he has business dealings. He might even owe them money. That's why he doesn't want to show his tax returns. Uh, you know, mm. so. That's a good point. That's not a good reason, though, right? I mean. No, it's not a good reason. <laughs> but that's a good point as to why he would build or have a relationship with them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Vladimir Putin is an attractive man, right? So I can understand him having an affinity for him in that regard. 
Uh, <laughs> you ever see that picture of him bare, bare, you know, bare chested? I did. Who hasn't? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's just amazing. So silly. It really, you know, the, you and I live in many ways, uh, many, many, many ways, uh, a privileged, charmed life uh, compared to people all across the globe and in, in our own country. Uh, it, you know, Absolutely. we can sit back and, and laugh at this stuff, but it's really not funny what yeah. these people No, didn't. it's not. No. Um, the fact that it's so funny is what makes it not funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is this for real? Wait, this is for real? It's like the... Um... And then him, like, being upset about his daughter's clothing line and the ratings on his show, I'm just like, who are you and how did you get in this office? Exactly. Mental priorities are just not there. No, he just doesn't have it, and he never will. He's a 70-year-old man, you know. He's not going to change, I doubt. <laughs> he's, he's, he is who he is, and, and that he's, a, you know, I, I think most... I've, I've seen some reports and ana analysis from uh, psychologists who say he's a classic narcissist, you know. He doesn't... Yeah. He doesn't care about anything outside of him, his own little world. Uh, and you, as a 29-year-old woman... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I guess, does that make you uh, a millennial, uh, I think, right? I am a millennial. So I'm going to have you represent all millennials now. Uh, does this make you less um, sort of enthusiastic, hopeful about government in, in our country? Or does it put a fire in you to say, hey, wait a minute, you're trying to take away my country? more so it's a little bit of both for me um on the one hand it's like the fact that he's the president it kind of just makes it seem like almost like a rigged system but then on the other hand it's like the fact that he's president also makes it seem like the possibilities are endless and that if we want to make a change that we really just have to step forward and do it so it, it it's both <laughs> for me because like, it, it just depends on what day it is that I want to be negative or positive. <laughs> but I think about it, and I know they're encouraging millennials now to run for office or find people who want to run for office and stand behind them and do that stuff. And, and I think the, the millennial way is to be innovative. So in that sense, it's good that all this stuff is happening with Trump in the office and it being seeming like a big joke and just ridiculousness because it is like, like you said, it's like lighting a fire and it creates room for the most innovative generation to change something. I believe the next election is going to be amazing because of this one. But if you're not looking at it that way, you could literally just be like, tell oh, politics and the government, it's all a joke and we have no power. But more so on the motivated to change part, if that makes any sense. Total sense. Total sense. I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, it is it is uh, something that you bounce back and forth between because, you know, you feel a sense of empowerment. But then when you realize um, and you're inspired to use it, but when you realize the work that, that com comes with using, you know, the, the potential of of uh, what this country can offer, if you, it, it's a daunting task. There's so, there's yeah. so much work involved in trying to change yeah, sure. policy and and getting people you want in office there. Yeah, it's a lot. Anybody in particular that you can you can think of that you like in terms of government leadership? No, not really. I no. mean, I like Bakari Sellers, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big um, political fanatic. <laughs> really, I follow it when it's necessary. I guess it's always necessary, but I'm. I'm not one of those people that are just like um, into it. Maybe I should be a little bit more into it, but I'm not. Yeah, you know. It sounds like you're into it. 
And it sounds like you're getting drawn into it more so, given what we're dealing with at present. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to pay attention to it. You have. I always try to generally pay attention to, like, at least the the exposed layer of government and politics. But there's, and I say I'm not really into it because there's so many brilliant people that I meet in New York City, and and, and I know they exist everywhere, but I meet them here, and they are so into politics. They know names, they know levels, they know history. So what I'm saying, I'm not really into it. I'm thinking about those people because there are people who live and breathe politics yeah and they don't even work in politics they just love it like it's their conversation it's their life they're patriots that's yeah. me you know now when i asked you anybody that you you know you're you're excited about did you say curry sellers the curry sellers i don't even i don't understand the curry sellers you don't understand no what is that the curry sellers that's a name he's yeah, it's his name. Bakari Sellers. Uh-huh. Uh, who's that? <laughs> I swear to God. I, I, he's, I like, <laughs> he's like, I don't understand. He's a he's a politician. Um, I guess he, if I'm not mistaken, he represented South Carolina um, from, I don't know if he still does it, but at some point, 2014, I want to say it. He was heavy in uh, Obama's campaign and followed his um, footsteps pretty closely. So, how do you spell? Do you know how to spell his name? Yeah, his first name B A K A R I, Bakari. Last name Sellers S E L L E R S. Okay, I think I might have seen him on a on a panel one time. Now that you spell his name uh, for me, and he was pretty compelling. I, I thought you were joking. I thought you said the curry sellers, and I, I didn't know. Oh, <laughs> what did I miss that joke? If I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Well. No, no. But curry no, sellers. Yeah. So that that person inspired you somewhat. Why? Because of the the message that they had, or he? I just think he's. He I just think he's. I think he's very intelligent, and you know, I follow him on Twitter, and so I get to see his his opinions on everything that's happening. I, I, I just like his point of view on a lot of things, whether it's on actual politics or something like, um, what was that? Oh, I don't remember what that award show was. Was it the Oscars? I don't remember. But when that actor Jesse got up and said all this controversial stuff, yeah. just things like that. He always has um, points that I think are well thought out. And... And you can tell he cares about the American government, which is why he's in it, I guess. But I just, I just find him to be passionate and honest and, and very knowledgeable and firm in his foundation and in belief. Sounds like Barack so Obama. I don't follow politicians. Yeah, a little bit. I don't, I don't follow politicians, but um, I do literally follow him on Twitter, and I like what I've seen so far. So that's why I threw his name out there. I'm going to look it up. I have to plead ignorance. So, you have a web series that you're working on. You're doing it. You're you're reflecting on politics, um, and celebrity, uh, a bit. And why? What? What about uh, um, any stand-up gigs coming? Um, I don't have any official shows booked at the moment, but right now I'm kind of just going on small stages sharpening my set and testing new jokes on, on small crowds and stuff like that. Um, probably book shows more in the spring. My main focus has really been on writing um, the series. So I haven't been doing shows. I, the last show I did was um, maybe early January. And when you're working on your material for the clubs and for the web series, what kind of themes are you using, and, and uh, what kind of you know what what is it you're focusing on? Um. So well, okay, that's actually a really good question. But um, I actually am switching up my style a little bit and focusing on storytelling. Mm -hmm. And um, it's more just observational storytelling based on my personal experiences in life. I've been staying away from like politics and and 
real life things that are happening only because um, they're very temporary and I'm trying to build a strong set that I can continue to use throughout the year. And also right now the comedy clubs are saturated with Trump jokes and politics jokes and I just kind of don't feel like it's really hard to get on stage after four people that already told a bunch of politics jokes. You know? Right, so, right. So something that's just more human and timeless. Yeah, more more about my life and things that are going on. Like you know what it what it is like to to be living in in the city trying to make your way in show business as a young woman. Yeah, stuff like that, or just situational material, like. Like for instance, my um, my my nephew's birthday was coming up, and my mom told me to ask him what he wanted. And he said, and my mom's like really nervous because she's like, I don't, I don't know what kids want these days; they're so expensive. And my nephew wanted church shoes, so my mom says that she's just going to buy him sandals because that's what Jesus wore. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> say it was funny because it's true but it's stupid because like that's not what he meant so i take like something small like that and i'll build a whole story behind it and put in jokes and make it funny and kind of carry people along the way until we get to the punchline which is punched up but the punchline is basically around that i was just buying sandals that's what jesus wore so that kind of um comedy is what i'm working on right now. I like that different, style. Yeah, different different stuff. People people like that if it's interesting enough, you know. Yeah, story, a good Take story. Them on a journey. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Rock That was a very shortened version of the story, but <laughs> Chris Rock just did a, a performance and I guess it was more like that. I read a, a review of yeah, it in the yeah. New York Times. Did you hear about yeah, that? Yeah, some of the I didn't hear about that, but he is a big storyteller and a lot of the great comedians that if you think about them, if you think about your favorite comedians, they're not very, like, short punchlines. They're telling the story. It's like a story that they're going through, and it's, it's, I think it's better that way. I do, too. I do, too. Like Richard Pryor was probably, in my opinion, the best storyteller. Oh, yeah. He was fantastic. I, I used to listen to his cassettes it's back when I was in high school. This one cassette all of the, the time, uh, and I, it never got old. Never got old. He's a great storyteller. Yeah, amazing. So Nash, it's uh, it's good to have you on the program, and uh, I uh, I wish you the best with the web series. And thank you. We'll have to check in and see how it's going. We can promote it a bit on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, and get some people to, to take a look at it. Again, it's called. Yeah, that'd be awesome. What about us? And. Yeah. Uh, what about us? I know you have another meeting to run to, so I don't want to keep you any longer. I do. I do. I'm supposed to be there in one minute. One minute? Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Luckily, it's in this building. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, take care well, of yourself. Thanks for having me. It was nice uh, chatting with you again. Yeah, same here, Nash. Same here. Tell your mom I said hello. <laughs> I sure will. Take care. You too. Bye.
from Thomas Pinchon's Vineland. By morning, there were scores of injuries, hundreds of arrests, no reported deaths, but a handful of persons unaccounted for. In those days, it was still unthinkable that any North American agency would kill its own civilians and then lie about it. So the mystery abided, frozen in time, Somewhere beyond youthful absences, surely bound to be temporary, yet short of planned atrocity. Taken one by one, after all, given the dropout data and the migratory preferences of the time, each case could be accounted for without appealing to anything more sinister than a desire for safety. At his news conference, Brock Vond referred to it humorously as, quote, rapture. Fawning, gazing upward at the zipper of his fly, the media toadies present wondered aloud where, in his opinion, if it was okay to ask Mr. Vond, sir, the missing students might have gotten to... Brock replied, why, underground, of course. That's our assumption in this, from all we know about them, that they've gone underground. Somebody from the radical press must have infiltrated. You mean they're on the run? Are there warrants out? How come none are listed as federal fugitives? The reporter was led away by a brace of plain-closed heavies, as Brock Bond genially repeated, highlights dancing merrily on his lenses and frames. Underground, hmm, rapture below. Yes, the gentleman in the suit and tie. Earlier... While the news hounds had all been across campus at the main gate, preoccupied with getting shots of co-ed cuties in miniskirts being handled by troopers in full battle gear in which leather recurred as a motif, none had noticed the small convoy of field-gray trucks locked shut, unmarked, that had left out the back way without even pausing for the security at the checkpoint. Threading 
a complex array of ramps, transition lanes, and suspiciously tidy country roads, the trucks eventually pulled up onto the little-known and only confidentially traveled FEER, F-E-E-R, or Federal Emergency Evacuation Route, which followed the crest line of the coast range north in a tenuous, cool light. Beneath camouflage, netting, and weatherproof plastic sheet, it was a dim tunnel that went for hundreds of miles, conceived in the early 60s as a disposable freeway that would only be used to full capacity once. The convoy's destination lay hours to the north in a wet and secluded valley that had been the site of an old Air Force fog dispersal experiment and later before the apocalyptic grandeur of Kennedy-era strategic, quote, thinking, found itself bogged, nucleus, in the quotidian horrors of Vietnam. Intended as a holding area able to house up to half a million urban evacuees in the event of, well, say, some urban evacuation, a few dozen housing units, like model homes at the edge of newly subdivided acreage had been put up just to give visitors a feel for the concept. All standard issue Corps of Engineer jobs, some of them apartments meant for families, as the word was understood back then, some barracks for detached men, women, boys, and girls whose families might still be, quote, temporarily unaccounted for. There was a mess hall, toilet and shower facilities, pool and ping-pong tables, a movie projector, softball diamond, basketball court. Water ran everywhere. Redwoods and Sitka spruce went towering in ragged silhouette up to the ridgetops and over. And behind them, most of the year, gray regiments of cloud marched in from the coast. D.L. in the meantime had come straggling back to Berkeley to the workshop of San Pablo and Howie and Sledge, either loyal to the end or just in shock, walking slack for her and found they were just about all that was left of 24 FPS. D.L. by then was so crazy that half the time she didn't know who was there and who wasn't. This along with a chiming way inside her ears and a light that glowed at the edges of everything, both clearly signals to stand by. Message follows.
Cock-a-doodle whip dredges a frolic imbued stitch inside and out inside again the leathery skin of the rich bitch of Bainbridge toward Hofstedler Lane as crumpet lunch with milk and honey rum spiked with care an orgasmic early afternoon warmth inside. Now draw the curtains as we take escape on a sultry ride. Have it. Episode 215 of Troubadours and Rockon Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend Nash Leah in New York. Thank you for talking with us 
sharing what you've been doing, what you've been observing, a little bit about politics and uh, your view of good storytelling and comedy. We'll talk with you again soon about the web series as well. Have a good one, Nash. Thanks again. Also, like to thank the great author Thomas Pinchon and these musical artists Guns and Roses, The Beach Boys, Aretha Franklin, Lydia Loveless, Tom Waits, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. We'll be back next week with a new episode. And if you'd like to touch base with us in the meantime, you could send us an email, freespeak at wfte.org. You could also check us out on Facebook and ask to be friends. We'll send you a podcast link if you do that, if you want. And uh, free speak and some with EW Conundrum would be the way to find us on Facebook. Twitter as well, free speak wit with a T at the end is the way to go to Twitter to find us. We do have episodes archived on the WFTE.org website under Locally Produced. You look for Free Speak and some, and you'll find them there. Uh, We also have them archived, many of them, uh, archived at uh, the Podomatic website. That's where we launch our podcast from. And soon they'll be available via iTunes. We're working on that as well. So, you know, spread the word, share them with your friend, commercial-free community radio at its finest. No no uh, payments involved, just, I guess, spending some time. And hopefully it's an enjoyable way, a beneficial way to do so. Anyhow, until next time, have a wonderful week. Keep the faith. We have faith in you. Have it in yourself as well. Take care.